Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead who pretended to be a gigantic fish who restored the Vedic literature to Lord Brahma when Lord Brahma wakened from sleep, and who explained the essence of Vedic literature to King Satyavrat and the great saintly persons. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Here is a summary of Satyavrata's meeting with the fish incarnation of Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu's purpose was to take back all the Vedic literatures from the demon Hayagriva and restore them to Lord Brahma. Incidentally, by his causeless mercy, the Lord spoke with Satyavrat. The, wor- the word Satyavratanam is significant because it indicates that those on the level of Satyavrat can take knowledge from the Vedas delivered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Whatever is spoken by the Supreme Lord is accepted as Veda. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Vedanta Krit Veda Vit. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the compiler of all Vedic knowledge, and he knows the purport of the Vedas. Therefore, anyone who takes knowledge from the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, or from Bhagavad Gita as it is, knows the purpose of the Vedas. One who cannot understand Vedic knowledge from the Vedavararatas, who read the Vedas and misconstrue their subject matter. One has to know the Vedas from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the 8th Canto, 24th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Matsya, the Lord's Fish Incarnation. This commentation has been finished in our New Delhi Center today, the 1st of September, 1976, the day of Radhastami, by the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the Acharyas. Narutam Das Thakur says, Tandra Charana Sevi Bhaktasanivas Basa Janame Janame Hoi E Abhilas. I am attempting to present Srimad Bhagavatam in the English language by the order of my spiritual master, Srimad Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and by his grace the work of translation is gradually progressing. And the European and American devotees who have joined the Krishna consciousness movement are helping me considerably. Thus we have expectations of finishing the great task before my passing away. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. End of eighth canto. Om Ajnan Timidandasya Yananjana Chalakaya 
चक्षुर उमिलस्मय श्री गुरुवे नमः Today we are reading the wonderful occasion in which the supreme personality of Godhead Matsyavatar explains the knowledge of Veda to his disciple Maharaj Satyavrat The Vedas are a great mystery because whatever one wants to attain in life whether one be a demon like hiranyakashipu or ravana who want to torture innocent persons and consume tremendous power for exploitative purposes through studying the vedas they can learn how to perform the proper sacrifice by which they can attain that if one wants a good wife or a good husband or lots of nice money or good health by properly following the principles of various sections of the vedas one can easily attain it if one wants to attain the eight mystic siddhis to be able to effortlessly perform miracles which will fascinate the general masses it is not too difficult because the process is given within the vedas if one wants to put an end to all of this temporary wrangling with this world which is ultimately frustrating and become liberated from all material connection mukti nirvana one can also attain that stage through various sections of the vedas but here it is said vedaischa sarvaraham eva vedyo vedanta kritveda vedeva chaham the ultimate purpose of all the vedas is to know krishna and love krishna prema pumartha mahan that is the supreme goal of all knowledge the summum bonum the culmination the siddhanta you know is divine grace ac bhakti vidanta swami prabhupad because he understood the essence of the vedas so well the conclusion of the vedas It was his initiated name by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was Abhay Charanaravinda. But some of his god brothers, to give the world an opportunity to understand how he has extracted the essence of all Vedas, and who has presented perfectly the conclusion of all Vedas, they named him Bhakti Siddhanta. Siddhanta Sid means perfect Siddha Anta means the conclusion Siddha Anta means the conclusion of all perfect knowledge What is the perfection of all knowledge Bhakti devotional service to Sri Krishna surrender Sarva dharman purityajama mekam sharanam But then one of his god brothers 
was thinking that this is kind of confusing because we have given him the same name as our Guru Maharaj. So there's some, there, there will obviously be misunderstanding who we're talking about. So they gave him a name which means identically the same thing, but it was a different name. Bhakti Vedanta. Siddhanta means the conclusion of all knowledge is the Vedas. And Veda Anta. Veda means perfect knowledge and Anta means the conclusion. So Bhakti Vedanta, Bhakti Siddhanta mean exactly the same thing. It is the same word, but with just a different sound. So they named him A.C. Bhakti Vedanta. Swami, and then his disciples, out of great love and affection, called upon him by the name Prabhupada, which means at whose feet even the great masters must sit. Ah. To understand the true essence or conclusion of the, of the Vedas, to come to the conclusion of bhakti, one must hear the Vedas, not simply by reading, but one must learn it under the training of his spiritual master. Here the Lord himself incarnated to explain the Vedas to Satyavrat. It is explaining here that Lord Brahma was sleeping at the time. And of course we know that Brahma is the first and original guru in disciplic succession. So therefore the Lord had to come himself and do the job of the Guru. But to understand the principle of parampara is the most, most important part of our spiritual development. Lord Brahma originally heard the Vedic knowledge from the supreme, topmost spiritual master, Krishna. Krishna's Jagat Guru. When Lord Brahma was first created, created, Krishna spoke to him from within his heart. Tene Brahma Hridaya And he told Brahma to perform tapasya. This is very significant for those who want to understand the absolute truth. After telling Brahma to perform tapasya, sacrifice, for the pleasure of his guru, Krishna, after Krishna saw that he was genuinely sincere and he was ready to do anything and everything for the pleasure of his guru, then Krishna revealed personally all knowledge to Brahma. So he is the first spiritual master in the parampara. And then Lord Brahma, he explained the same science as he has heard it. with his divine realization to his son and disciple, Narada Muni. What was Narada Muni's qualification? How much anxious he was to hear. In his previous birth, we understand he was just a young boy from a very low caste, Sudra. But he concerned himself not for any other purpose except realizing God. by the mercy of the great sadhus, because he served and heard submissively from the great devotees of the Lord. The seed of enthusiasm and eagerness for Krishna awakened in his heart. And he was so eager for Krishna 
that even when his own mother died, he decided, this is Krishna's mercy. Now I have no other responsibilities except running for him and him alone. He traveled through the cities, through the towns, through the villages, through the agricultural fields, and alas, into the jungles. And there he gained realization of Sri Krishna. But then Krishna disappeared and told him that for the rest of your life you will not see me. But I want you to be so eager for me that throughout your life you are just so anxious and so eager and so enthusiastic for me and me alone that by the time you leave this body you will be a completely purified soul. This is the price of Krishna consciousness, the eagerness to know Krishna, the eagerness to hear about Krishna, the eagerness to chant his glories and to serve the spiritual master and the devotees. If you actually do not want Krishna consciousness to be a mechanical process, this is what you must do. You must be eager. Whatever service you do, do not just do it because you have to do it. Do it so well, with so much enthusiasm, and be anxious for the next service. Let the devotees just bury me alive with devotional service. That should be our eagerness. And that is the price of Krishna consciousness. If you don't feel eager, act eager. Krishna will see that through that sacrifice. You want it. And he will fulfill that desire. So Narada Muni was certainly a worthy disciple. He put nothing before knowledge of Krishna. He put nothing else except knowledge for Krishna as his goal of life. He performed great tapasya. Therefore, when Brahma instructed him, his heart was a fertile field to realize the absolute truth. And then Narada instructed the incarnation of Godhead himself, Vyasdev. Vyasdev is a Shaktiveshavatar. Shavatar. But in order to show people the proper path, he was also very eager. It is explained that after writing on the order of his Guru Maharaj all the Vedic literatures, he was not satisfied. He was so anxious and eager to to present only pure devotional service. That great enthusiasm, that anxiety in his heart was so strong that nothing else in the world could satisfy him except fulfilling the order of his guru. And it was at that time that Narada Muni came, Vyasadeva, sitting on the bank of Saraswati at that sacred cave in Badrik Ashram. You remember, we all went there. That was the place that Narada Muni instructed Vyasadeva. And Vyasadeva, he had a very great, great disciple. And today I would like to speak about this great disciple because yesterday happened to be the appearance day of this great Acharya. And since we did not have a chance to glorify him as we should, I would like to speak briefly about the great glorious life of Srila Madhavacharya. Today is the appearance day of Srila Ramanujacharya. Tonight we will discuss his pastimes, 
and a drop from the ocean of his life and glories. But let us speak for a few minutes describing a portion of a single drop from the ocean of nectarine pastimes of Srila Madhavacharya. He was born in a very sacred place in the Mangalore district of South India, a place which is called Udupi. It is a very sacred place because it is described that after the great incarnation, Parasuram defeated all the Kshatriyas many, many times over. He conquered the whole world. But then, since he was born as a Brahmin, he decided that I will go to the Himalayas and I will perform tapasya, study Vedanta, chant the holy names, and live like a Brahmin. I have done my work as a Kshatriya. So he gave all of his land to Kashyapa Muni, one of the great Prajapatis. But then he had nowhere for himself. So he decided he wanted a place for himself where he can just be to himself peaceful. So what he did is just close to that place called Udupi today, there is a high mountain. And Parasuram took his bow and threw it, not his bow, his chopper. He did not use a bow, he used chopper. He took his chopper and he threw it into the ocean a great distance. And then he demanded the ocean to withdraw itself to where he left his chopper. So the entire vast ocean, which we call today the Arabian Sea, completely reversed its course up to the point where that chopper was, and there was dry land. Therefore, it is sometimes called Parasuram Chetra. And that was his land because it was new. Mr. Shaiti, you are from that area, I believe. Did I tell the story correctly? We have some of his descendants here today. So, <clears throat> in this very, very holy and sacred place, Madhva Charja took his birth. 752 years ago from this very day today. And he was born from the Shivalala, um, Shivalali Brahmin family. And his name was given at birth, Vasudev. He was an extraordinary child. This young boy, Vasudev, when he was only five years old, it is described that his father had accumulated very, very great debts. And he was being harassed because he could not pay his debts. So Vasudev, this young boy, seeing this, he performed a great miracle. What he did is there's a tamarind tree behind his house. That tamarind tree is still there today. You can see it. 
And as you know, from the tamarind tree, hundreds and hundreds of seeds fall to the ground every day. So each seed, as it fell to the ground, it turned into a gold coin. And Vasudev told his father, what is the problem? Krishna always provides. There is no need to worry. Have faith. And his father paid off the debts. Also, when he was only five years old, there was a great powerful demon who took the form of a serpent. His name was Maniman. And this Maniman was terrorizing the whole area by killing people with his very great venom. Ah, so what Madhva did is one day there is a certain place, you can see it, it is all there. He was standing on a rock and this gigantic, powerful serpent came to attack him. He was so powerful that as he crawled, he was so angry that he literally left the impression of his body in the rocks. It is still there today. And he came to attack Madhvacharya, who was only a five-year-old boy. And Madhvacharya, at that time Vasudev, he took the toe from his foot and crushed the serpent's head and killed him. His mother was very attached to him. He would sometimes go playing here, there, everywhere else. And his mother sometimes would be worried, so she would call him. Wherever he was, in one jump, he would be able to come right before his mother. This may sound extraordinary, but try to understand the nature of Madhvacharya's or Vasudeva's birth. He was none other than the incarnation of Ayu. He was the son of the god of the wind, the predominating deity of the air. And he had such noble, virtuous, and glorified brothers as Hanuman and Bhima. So what is it that such a great soul cannot do? Of course, the nature of such great souls is they always give happiness and distress to those who love them. Madhvacharya, when he was five years old also, he received the sacred thread, initiation. And when he was 12, he decided, what is the use of this family life? I want to dedicate my life to the mission of delivering all fallen souls from the clutches of illusion and maya. He loved his father, he loved his mother more dearly than you can imagine. But there was a burning, burning desire within the core of his heart to help relieve the suffering of all living beings. Therefore, 
at the tender age of 12, he decided to take sannyas. And his father was furious, heartbroken, and everything else you can imagine a father would be. His father was weeping, crying, begging him, you cannot do this, you have your responsibilities, you cannot destroy our lives in this way. But Madhvacharya, knowing that if he took sannyas, his father would automatically be liberated and go back to Godhead. But what about everybody else who is suffering due to ignorance? Because they do not know Krishna. Um, Veda Vyas Maharaj is going to address Srinathji today. He is the head pujari for Srinathji at Nubrindavan, so it will be a very wonderful service. All right? Ah, so, Veda Vyas, his most dear disciple, Madhva, for the sake of preaching to the world his mission of compassion, he was willing to even hurt those who were most dear and near to him. He walked out of that house never to come back and accept the solemn vow of a sannyasi. And then he began to travel. He accepted sannyas from one very, very great acharya of the name Achuta Preksha. Achuta Preksha upon giving this 12-year-old child sannyas, he gave him in the name Purna Pragyatirtha. And Purna Pragyatirtha began to travel far and wide, preaching the glories of Sri Krishna. At one place, a very, very learned scholar and a very gentle Brahman of the name Satyatirtha became his disciple. And together they decided to travel by foot to the holy place of Badrigashram. So Purna Pragyatirtha, as well as Satyatirtha, they traveled thousands and thousands of miles way to the peaks of the Himalayas. And when they attained Sri Badrinath Dham, he went to the cave of Srila Veda Vyas. And there, he accepted diksha, or initiation. There, he received transcendental knowledge from Veda Vyas. And Veda Vyas instructed him. And on the basis of those instructions, Madhvacharya wrote his commentary of the Bhagavad Gita. After staying there for some time, with rejuvenated, revived, and <clears throat> doubled enthusiasm, he came down from the Himalayas to preach the glories of bhakti. Ah. His scholarship was so intense that followers of false doctrines would flee from their, with their, for their lives when they would hear that he was coming to their town. Because philosophically he could totally dismantle any erroneous teachings 
but he had such sweet devotion to Sri Krishna. He used to spend hours and hours a day singing beautiful bhajans and kirtans. He loved bhajans and kirtans. And tears would roll from his eyes. And because of his great, great, sweet and innocent devotion to Lord Krishna, he was given the name Madhvacharya. After some time, Sripad Madhvacharya, he decided to return back to Badrikashram to see his guru, Vedavyas. Ah. On his way, a tiger attacked Satyatirtha, and he was about to devour this poor sadhu. Madhvacharya, with his great strength, he, with his own hands, he parted the tiger. The tiger then went after him to kill him, and with one striking blow, he killed him. Of course, the tiger was liberated, meeting his ends at the hands of such a merciful saint. There is another story on his way to Badrikashram. They were traveling and they had to cross one river. At that time, there was great conflict between the Muslims and the Hindus in that area because the Muslims were ruling India. And the Muslim soldiers would not allow any Hindu to cross the river. Otherwise, they would punish them, sometimes kill them. So Madhvacharya, knowing that he had service to do, did not care for these restrictions. So he simply crossed the river. So he was arrested and brought to the king. And when the king saw the purity, the gentleness, and the great devotion of Madhva, the Muslim king, his heart melted. And he ordered that no longer should there be any more disturbances or conflict between the Muslims and Hindus. It is too bad there are no Madhvacharyas around today. Then the two religions got along very peacefully. And the king offered Madhvacharya a whole kingdom and massive wealth in appreciation for his qualities. But Madhvacharya said, no need. And then he returned to Badrikashram. And there he lived for the second time with Vedavyas. Even such a great soul, when he came before his guru, would be more humble than a blade of grass. He would fall at the feet of his guru with all humility and submissiveness. That I know nothing, please instruct me. This is the true qualification. However learned we are, However advanced we are spiritually, we should know that the real fruit of all of our spiritual virtues is our humility, our submissiveness, and our willingness to serve the lotus feet of Guru and the Vaishnavas.
So when Madhvacharya returned to Udupi, there is a very famous story uh, in which it is explained that Madhva was sitting on the bank of the ocean, sitting in the sand. And at that time, there was a boat, a cargo ship that was coming from Dwarka. And there was a storm and the boat was about to sink and the captain of the boat was frustrated. He was trying everything within his power to save his wealth and his life, but nothing worked. So Madhvacharya, simply with his hands, directed the captain how he could come to the shore safely. And with the direction of his hands, the storm also stopped. So this merchant was very pleased. And he told Madhvacharya, I will give you any gift you like. I have so many valuable goods on this boat, take anything. Madhvacharya said, I am a sannyasi, what do I need these things for? He insisted, give me something. Madhva said, oh, you are coming from Dwarka? Perhaps you have some Gopi Chandan? Gopi Chandan is the clay that we put this mark on our forehead, Titilak. Huh? He just wanted a little of that. Because Gopi Chandan, the best source for Gopi Chandan is Dwarka. Now it just so happened that that boat was not balanced properly when it was leaving Dwarka. So therefore, the merchants, they put this big, big block of Gopi Chandan on the boat just as a weight to keep the boat properly balanced. So they brought the clay down from the boat and right when they placed it to the ground, it broke open. And as it broke open, there was a beautiful deity of Lord Krishna. This deity of Krishna is very sublime, like no other deity in all the world. He's a little child. In one hand, he's holding the rod that his mother, Yashoda, used to use for churning butter. And in the other hand, he has a rope, which was used to turn that rope. There is a story that was Krishna was living in Dwarka. His mother, Devaki, she approached Krishna and she said, you know, I gave birth to you, but I never got to see your childhood. I was in prison. The night that you took birth, your father, Vasudev, on your order, took you across the river Jamuna to Gokul and put you under the care of Nanda and Yashoda. And Nanda and Yashoda were so fortunate to witness all your beautiful baby pastimes and childhood pastimes. And I was not allowed to see you again until you were grown up. My dear child, please be merciful. Let me just see one time the beauty of your form when you were a baby. So at that time, Krishna appeared as Makanchor, the butter thief. Ah, and when he appeared, he appeared just the way Mother Yashoda would catch him, red-handed. 
Mother Yashoda would be churning the butter with the stick and with the rope, like this. You know how they do in the villages. And when she would go to do some other duties, Krishna would go to steal the butter. And sometimes Mother Yashoda would come back and he would have butter all over him. And he would have the rope in one hand and the, this churning stick in the other. So Devaki wanted to get the nectar that Mother Yashoda was receiving. So Krishna appeared to her in that beautiful form. But it just so happened that Krishna's wife, his first and foremost queen, Rukmini, happened to walk in at that time. And she saw this beautiful baby form and she just fell in love with him. And she said, Krishna, I want to worship you in that form. Because in Dwarka, Krishna was king. She said, Krishna, I know I love you as king, but personally, I want to worship this form as Makanchor, baby. So what Krishna did is he took that form again, and Vishwakarma came, and carved exactly the beauty of that form. And that was Mother, Jishod, or Mother Rukmini's uh, personal deity that she worshipped with her heart and soul in privacy in her palace of Dwarka. But of course we know at the time of the dissolution of the Yadu dynasty, that very incomprehensible but sublime pastime, the whole of Dwarka went into the sea. And therefore that Murti went into the ground for many, many years. And when they were digging for the Gopi Chandan to put the weight on the boat, they dug and the Murti was in the clay. And he appeared by his sublime mercy to Srila Madhvacharya. This is the pastime of the Lord. Ah. So, Madhvacharya decided to install this deity in the town of Udupi, next to the beautiful temple of Chandramaleshwara, which is an ancient, ancient Shiva temple where he did his worship. Shiva, who is the greatest of all devotees of Krishna, that is his worship there. So 30 men attempted to lift this deity, but they could not do it. He was so heavy. Struggling, straining, they could not do it. So then Madhvacharya single-handedly lifted the murti and began to walk. And as he was walking from that beach on the bank of the sea to the town of Udupi, he began to sing. He had such a beautiful and melodious voice, so full of devotion. And as he was singing, he composed beautiful, beautiful prayers in glorification of the form of Krishna. And today the followers of Madhvacharya regularly recite with great devotion these prayers to Sri Krishna that were composed by their great Paramparam Guru, Srila Madhva. Of course, if you go to Udupi, you will find out that there were actually two lumps of Gopi Chandan. And from the other one came a beautiful deity of Lord Balaram in his childhood feature. 
and Madhvacharya began to carry him as well. But at one point, Balaram decided that I want to stay here. So right on the road, Balaram just, just indicated to Madhva that leave me here. So they constructed a temple for him at that place. Now I will give you some very, very um, interesting information. Historically, the very place on that beach where Madhvacharya was revealed the beautiful form of Krishna, that was the place where Christopher Columbus first arrived in India. You have heard of Christopher Columbus? He is the man who is famous for discovering America. You know how he discovered America? What he did is he took a trip to India. His boat arrived in Udupi on the very beach. 1492 is how many years ago? About 500 years ago from next year, correct? So he came about 250 years after Madhva. But that place was already a sacred place where the deity of Krishna was being worshipped by everyone and Balaram as well. He arrived there. He obviously must have had darshan with Krishna. Everyone else was going there. He must have gotten the blessings of Krishna in that holy place. Just coming to the holy place, you get the blessings of the Murti there, correct? And then he went back to Spain and he decided, I want to go back to India because all the wealth of the world is there. But I think there's a shortcut. I think I should go across the Atlantic. The world is round. Everyone said, no, no, the world is flat. You will fall off. He said, no, no, this is a shortcut to India. So after getting the blessings of Udupi Krishna, in this holy place, he began to travel across the Atlantic and he came to this beautiful country and he thought it was India. And he met some people and he called them Indians. But actually, it was a new place. It what was later to be called America. So America was discovered with the blessings of Sri Krishna. And similarly, Srila Prabhupada decided, of all places in the world, the most important to spread Krishna consciousness is in America. So he also took boat, like Christopher Columbus, to rediscover America spiritually. Huh? Columbus discovered it materially. Of course, the American Indians will not agree with that, but the Europeans will agree. But Srila Prabhupada went by boat to discover it. Christopher Columbus came from India ultimately and went through, through Europe to America. Prabhupada also left from the east coast of India through Europe to America to discover it spiritually. So Srila Madhvacharya <clears throat> in the service of Sri Krishna he was very, very powerful in establishing bhakti. The realization of God as a person. 
And the mayavadis, those who approach Krishna in his impersonal aspect of Brahman, they were very disturbed because Madhvacharya's teachings were so attractive and so full of love and so full of <coughs> undefeatable philosophy that they were threatened. So they tried in so many ways to discredit him, to defeat him. But, as we know, the more you try to disturb or defeat the great souls, the more Krishna empowers them to spread their divine mission in all directions. When they tried to stop Jesus by killing him, in the process, Christianity spread and Jesus' potency was more predominant in the hearts of the world than ever before. When Hiranyakashipu tried to destroy Prahlad, Prahlad became infinitely more empowered to preach through the persecution he was undergoing. So similarly, when they went to put obstacles before Madhva, the result was the all of India brought their focus point to his sublime teachings. And he brought innumerable people to the feet of Sri Krishna. It is described when he was 80 years old, he was an Udupi. And he was giving a lecture from the Aitareya Upanishad. And he, as he was speaking about the glories of Sri Krishna, his body disappeared. He was wearing a chatter and a dhoti. The chatter and dhoti just fell to the ground where he was sitting. That place is there today the place where he disappeared from the world. Just before leaving, he instructed his followers that when I leave this world, my body will go back to Badrigashram. That is my place. <clears throat> and I will be there for the rest of this age in the presence of my Guru Maharaj Vyasadeva. So if you want to worship... Because of his great knowledge and devotion, How he established the essence, the conclusion of all knowledge, of love of Krishna. For this reason, the supreme personality of Godhead, who Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, accepted initiation and instruction through the divine specific succession coming from And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed the six Goswamis, headed by Sri Rupa and Sri Sanatana, who instructed Jiva Goswami, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. And then the prominent Acharyas in the straight line are such great souls as Sri Das Acharya, Narottam Das Thakur, Srila Baladeva Vidyabhusha, Srila Vishwanathakri. Sakravati Thakur, Jagannath Das Bhavati, 
who instructed the great ascetics to the Gorka Shodas Babaji, who is the divine celebrated Guru Maharaj, of whom Vishnu Paras to the Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who is the lifeless soul of our beloved Guru Maharaj, and Vishnu Paras Paramahamsa to the Vishnu Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati And we are all fortunate today that we are all receiving the pure essence of great service, of transcendental knowledge, of pure devotion to Krishna. So on these most holy days of the appearance and disappearance of the great Aksarga, it is a great stimulation to our enthusiasm for service to our Gurudev and Krishna, to hear, to chant, and to remember the glory and the teachings left behind by the previous Aksharas. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I would like to thank you all very much. And tonight, if you come to Car Center, we will discuss briefly the subject matter of the teaching and the life of Srila Ramanujaksharja. How glorious to Srila Prabhupada. How glorious to all of you.